Pretending to be trapped in quicksand, and honestly, so did I. And it sounds fun and light that kids would imagine being trapped in quicksand, until you take a step back and realize you spent a bunch of your childhood pretending to be trapped by a circumstance you can't control, and slowly being pulled to your death. What we were actually playing was not quicksand; it was the emotional reality of being an adult. But that doesn't have the same sort of festive, fun ring to it.、Um, but to be honest, a lot of my childhood play was trying to work out the realities of adulthood. I remember when I was about six years old, I decided to play Superman. I flew around for a while. Then that got kind of boring, and I thought, let's make this more real. So I had Superman change back into Clark Kent and go into his office at the Daily Planet for a meeting with his boss, Perry White. And in the office, Perry White fired Clark Kent. For always showing up late, so at that point, Clark Kent lost his temper and punched Perry White, and he punched him so hard, his head came flying off. No, there wasn't any blood in my imagination. It wasn't graphic. It was just like Perry White's head just popped off, like he was secretly made of Legos. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is, I was a weird kid who was apparently planning to be a weird adult. With anger issues, but I'm not feeling angry now at all. I'm thrilled about this fun podcast about a disturbing death substance. But before we get sucked into the rest of the episode, shows. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear me say comedy things in person, I've got a bunch of shows coming up. I'll be at the Comedy Corner Underground in Minneapolis on Sunday, May 31st. Then back in Los Angeles, you can catch my show Comedy Dreamtime on Saturday, June 20th at Nerdist School Stage. You can get details for all my shows on my website at josephscrimshaw.com/live-shows. And if seeing me in person is a little bit much, I totally understand. You can always follow me on Twitter. My clever username is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Our theme song is by the awesome Molly Lewis. Thanks as always to Molly for our theme song. And now, with no further ado, please sit back. And let yourself slowly fall into Matt Gorley's obsession with quicksand. Hello, and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome human being, Matt Gorley. Hi, how are you?、Joseph? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely.、Uh, so, I I always email people to ask, you know. Will you do this? And then, what are your obsessions?、Uh-huh. And they, it's kind of fascinating that they give me options. Sometimes people are like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm obsessed with anything," and that's always a lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I always ask them, like, "Well, why don't you talk to your significant other or a parent or something?" And then that person always is like, "Yeah."、Uh, but you offered immediately, really quickly. Squibs, yes, and quicksand, yeah, two really tropes of like eighties and seventies movies, yeah. yeah. So, did you did you did you have to reflect at all about what your obsession was, or did you just know like yeah, I've been dying to talk about squibs and quicksand? Well, I yeah, no, I don't think I had to reflect at all. I think <laughs> quicksand was is more of a former obsession, and squibs is a lifelong obsession. Okay, both really 
pretty potent and <laughs> things that I had spent time in my youth either trying to make or find. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, to so, varying degrees of success. <laughs> so you, you, you tried to make squibs, obviously. I did make squibs. Oh, you successfully I made them. I somehow did. In fact, I missed my eighth grade graduation because I was <laughs> on the verge of figuring out how to do them. And did yeah. like you were in like a mad scientist montage I, I moment was, of I like I'm close so, to the breakthrough. Yeah, like I, I, my clothes were hanging up, and I was just like, no, no, I'm so close, and I, I got it. I, you know, like the the kind where you press a button and it explodes and that sort of thing. And it had taken me forever because it was a lifelong dream. And so <laughs> I guess eighth grade graduation is you know it's, it's probably missable. Yeah, yeah, it's not that important. Yeah, yeah. You maybe get a couple good photos that you can use for Throwback Thursday. <laughs> And I still graduated. It's not like I ended school. <laughs> I went on. <laughs> awesome. Uh, can you tell uh, people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I do, God, too many podcasts. <laughs> I do a podcast called Super Ego. That was the first one that I ever did and still do um, semi-regularly. And it's kind of an improvised character podcast uh, that is a labor of love, but I love it probably more than anything yeah. I do. The love shows. It's it a great is. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then I do another podcast for the Wolf Pop Network called I Was There Too, where I talk to people who had maybe um, not lead roles, but were present in these scenes in great movies that they can talk about oh, and kind cool. of like a fly on the wall perspective about what it was like to be, you know, in a scene in Star Wars or a scene in The Exorcist or something. Wow. Who have you talked to from Star Wars? Greg Proops from Star Wars Episode 1, Phantom Menace, who oh. was the voice of the pod race, one of the heads of the two-headed pod oh, race. Oh, yeah, I can hear yeah. that now. Yeah, yeah so that he, was one of the most table-flipping moments for me in <laughs> Phantom Menace that made me so mad. Or like... Not Greg's fault. <laughs> Vasquez from Aliens. Wow. And she was just amazing. And yeah. yeah. I mean, she was more than an I was there, too. She's a featured role in that movie but sometimes you, if you have that opportunity I couldn't refuse that yeah absolutely one of my favorite absolutely guests. yeah and yeah. she's not like the star of the movie I mean yeah she's a central character yeah. But, yeah well but also she a lot of people don't even recognize her she's John Connor's mom in Terminator 2 the foster mother oh really the Irish mother in Titanic that's putting the little children to sleep when it's sinking down she's quite wow. a chameleon yeah she's yeah. not even Hispanic what? I know. She's Jewish and has freckles. It was all makeup. That's true. <laughs> That's both amazing and kind of horrible <laughs> that they did that. And now she runs this um, great custom-made chain of um, bra stores for, like, ample women. Wow. One in Pasadena, one on Melrose. And then there's another one opening up. She she was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing that you can do a podcast that gets quickly from Aliens to ample bra story. <laughs> That's what I love about it. You have no idea where it's going. Yeah. yeah. And you do a James Bond podcast too, right? That's right. Yeah. With Matt Myra. Yeah. Where whenever we can, we kind of, each episode is based on one movie where we dissect it. And I think we've only got about three left. Okay. And then Spectre coming out and then... And then we're basically done with the basic idea of the podcast. And then, Would you ever go and do the novels? Boy, I think theoretically, yes. Realistically, probably no. <laughs> it's so hard for Matt and I to get together in the yeah. first place that for them to coordinate us both reading a book... It would yeah. probably be one a year. Okay. So maybe in a lifetime. Yes. Yeah. Your Ian Fleming impression is one of my favorite things <laughs> in the you. world. <laughs> it's hard to call it an impression. It's an interpretation. The interpretation, but, yeah. yeah. But it captures the spirit of it. Uh, yeah. For, it, that was Dead Authors Podcast, yes, right? And you do it on Super Ego sometimes? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. So yeah, if you, uh, if you ever want to be thoroughly entertained, <laughs> listen to an old Ian Fleming interview. 
and then listen to Matt's impression because you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I think the, the, the amazing thing about it is that your mind goes to, well, he's British and very crusty old world British. Like, of course, it should just be a huff, 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 sort yeah. of British accent. But then you capture just all of the little weird, <laughs> the weirdisms of the way he speaks. Uh, so let's get into your obsession. Uh, I, I went with uh, Quicksand, uh, right. partially just because the last podcast with Mike Furman was about apoc- the apocalypse. Oh, you're kidding. And oh, I wow. kind of like the theme of like, I'm going to talk to like friendly, funny people about like horrible things. <laughs> it seemed like a good theme to keep up I with. Love it. Uh, so how did you become obsessed with quicksand? Good question. I think it had to be TV and movies. That's the, I have no personal uh, relationship with quicksand. <laughs> um, because I, it, it was so present in movies and TVs and TVs in the 60s, <laughs> 70s and 80s that I bet as long as I was watching TV, it was there. So it was almost like language or food. I don't think I would remember my first time seeing quicksand. I watched so much syndicated TV when I was a kid. So like even Tarzan that was in reruns yeah. was full of quicksand. And then some of my favorite movies in the 80s had quicksand. So I guess it was just always there. Yeah. yeah. I remember being young and feeling like there were like two ever present threats in the world, which is quicksand and sharks. Yeah. And like, even if yeah. you were in like, I was growing up in like landlocked Minnesota, I felt uh, like I could turn a corner and there might be a shark <laughs> or quicksand. It's also something that's so easy to play. Even if you're homesick, like jumping from couch to chair, can't touch the ground because it's either lava or quicksand. That was, <laughs> I just loved that game. So yeah. Much. yeah. I think a lot of kids played lava, but yeah. you, you gravitated toward, toward quicksand. Yeah. Cause the lava is such a quick death but quicksand you still get to do a little acting <laughs> death scene oh it's a know? better it's a yeah. better death scene yeah you can you can monologue a little as you're going down yeah you know? yeah i probably was always looking for the story angle yeah well that makes that makes perfect sense um so have you researched quicksand in reality the reality I of have, quicksand? yeah and in reality and in fiction there's this amazing article on slate and it's super long about the history of quicksand in film and how it's just so prevalent in 60s and 70s and then starts to decline in the 80s and the 90s and now it's basically gone because people don't buy it as a gag anymore yeah. partly because of things like Mythbusters where they've busted that you can't you can die in quicksand but it's more from exposure because you're just stuck there you can't really sink in quicksand to up beyond your head right so. it's more about like dehydration or yeah. animals coming for your face yes while you're sitting right. there. <laughs> or being crushed by the weight and losing circulation but it's rare and uh, it's just something that was taken for granted, I guess, in, in the 70s and 80s that you could die that way. But it just isn't believable anymore. So I miss it. I wish yeah. they could bring it back. <laughs> uh, I do all my research for the podcast on Wikipedia just because it gives me then a sort of like even playing field for uh, each obsession if I don't know anything about it. Uh, and according to Wikipedia, they said that quicksand may be escaped by slow movement of the legs in order to reduce viscosity of the fluid and rotation of the body so as to float in the supine position. Yeah, I guess you're supposed to get as lateral as possible. Yeah, yeah. which I just, also being a fan of quicksand from oh. the sort of like adventure serial sort yeah. of, uh, of the 80s and that that was really amusing to me of like thinking of your your struggling hero <laughs> gently moving his legs Over back and forth trying to hide his back like <laughs> it'll be okay MacGyver knows what to do <laughs> yeah I went looking for quicksand one time I went to my dad's, which was in like the hills of Whittier, but dusty hills. Like that's the other thing is quicksand in movies exists in every climate. Yeah. I don't know that it really <laughs> does in real life, but I went looking just thinking 
I could find it. If I walked far enough, I would find quicksand. And I remember taking two people with me, like, we're going on an expedition. <laughs> this is our mission. Yeah. And it's just, no. Did you tie, like, yourselves together with a rope by the waist <laughs> for safety? Take us all down. <laughs> and then I tried to build it in my backyard. I tried to make it. Wow. And so the thing that I found interesting is that following this article, the thing they talk about is how quicksand falls away as a plot device in movies, but they don't talk about how as it falls away, the technology to make quicksand in movies gets so much better. So <laughs> it's everywhere in the 60s, but it's really watery and it right. just looks like water with mud floating in it. Yeah. But you get into the 80s and then it just looks like this like viscous undulating dry surface on top but then it's wet underneath and I right. thought like that's when quicksand peaked I mean, that's when <laughs> mankind and civilization like, we've done our best work yeah when it just looked like an angry boiling sea of sand yes it's yeah. amazing and so I tried I dug a pit in my backyard <laughs> chopped up styrofoam as little as I could and then spray painted it but I, I used like some kind of real heavy oil enamel and I was too impatient and so it got all sticky and it stuck together and it just it didn't work. Were you trying to simulate actual natural quicksand, or were you trying to like no, make I, it for shooting a, a film? Or? Well, I didn't. I would make these Super Eight movies, but I think I just wanted to make quicksand, and so I. But I wanted it that movie kind that would undulate. And so, what was cool is you could you could pour dry dirt on top of it, and for like. 15 or 20 seconds uh -huh. it would be dry on top and kind of move a little and those fleeting moments were the best. But then it would sink down and be muddy. Did and you get the opportunity to throw anything in? Yeah, I would just put action figures and stuff because I didn't <laughs> no. dig a pit big enough for myself. So um, it just, it was, I wish I could have done it. Now, here's the problem. Like all of these... All of these things in my past that I obsess over, I'm an adult now and I could probably make, I have the resources. Like anybody wants to save a little money, you could like buy whatever it, probably chopped up cork, I think is what they use now. Yeah. But I'm also a grown man and do I have time, but there's part of me that wants to go out, <laughs> dig a human sized pit, fill it full of water and just put cork on it. <laughs> and then do what? I don't know. Uh, just know that you've had that accomplishment, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a life goal. Right. Yeah, you want to complete that nice goal. Uh, do you have a favorite use of quicksand in pop culture? Is there like a television show or movie? Like, yeah. yeah, I can count down my top three if you want. Please do. Okay. Number three, I guess, would be the movie <laughs> Beastmaster uh, because it's we're in the eighties. Uh, two of these are in the eighties. I think one's in the seventies. So. Um, the technology is just prime. Yeah, it's just it's looking perfect. good. Yeah. <laughs> so Beastmaster falls into the pit and he's saved by two ferrets. So I think it's the use of the emotion <laughs> and the cute animals that it's like after a while, Quicksand was tired. So they had to spice it up a little and With having ferrets. two little ferrets save him. Uh, is it was really really something. Now, I don't think I've seen Beastmaster in many years, and probably only in bits and pieces. Were these like animatronic ferrets? No, they were trained ferrets. Yeah, they, these were his two little because he could control all the animals, and these were his two little sidekicks. Were the ferrets? Wow. And then not to spoil it, but I remember like the touching moment in that. I think it's a male and a female ferret. At some point, whatever villain there is, one of the ferrets attacks the villain so that the rest could be saved and sacrifices himself. Oh. Like, so there's a ferret sacrifice, <laughs> self-sacrifice in that movie that is, you know, well, has to be the only one in cinema, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this is not intended as comedy. The ferrets no. are characters. Yeah, and they're saving him. Like, he, they have sentient mind telepathy with him, and, yeah, they're helping him. So it is not played for comedy when no. ferrets pull Beastmaster out of quicksand. No, not at all. Not <laughs> is at all. it a comedic in retrospect? 
I haven't seen it in a long time either. <laughs> I, I'll let you know. I okay. Know, I would imagine. But my next one is comedic. Blazing Saddles has okay. amazing quicksand as well. And it's that good mix of clumpy up top, wet down below. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think because I, I don't know of any other comedic use of quicksand. Some people would probably say uh, Princess Bride, but I have to take that out of the category because that's all dry sand. There's no water involved and i think they okay. call it like lightning sand or something and it's just it's just all dry same with indiana seems, jones and the crystal skull yeah yeah that seems too showy yeah I lightning know. sand yeah no thanks no thanks i need i need some moisture in there like, yeah otherwise we're not it's off the table for discussion <laughs> so when you see quicksand do you you i mean you had those phrases really really ready to go of clunky up top and wet down below. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> it seemed oh, like just... that was something in my mind. I saw an image of you watching the screen and like saying those words oh, out this loud. This is the though. first time for that. that came out. I'm finding it as we go. It uh, sounds like a great old eighties <laughs> hairband song. <laughs> Warren's other hit besides cherry pie. Um, so what is, what is the number, number one? one is crawl from the eighties. So I think it's because it's a science fiction, so it's another world, but it still feels like Earth. Yeah. It's kind of like orange or rusty or tawny or something. But the best part about it is that whatever studio set they shot it on, it's a huge quicksand tank pit. And so multiple men get in it and form a line and try to get the main guy out. Or not the main guy, one of the guys dies. And uh, it just it's just masterful quicksand work i think it's the peak of quicksand yeah yeah is it because it's like a huge showpiece that it's your number one that they're like eight dudes yeah i think so i think it is because it is a <laughs> set like... piece there's a battle going on but then that gives way to quicksand and it's a whole moment in this movie, okay this adventure road trip movie basically yeah of, you know i love any movie where there's a group of m people like getting dying on the way to a mission one by one like whether it be a world war ii movie or yeah. aliens or whatever and this one to stop for a quicksand moment. Yeah, you big yeah. Busby Berkeley production yeah. in the quicksand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, do you think anything in the '80s in the prime of quicksand? Do you think it was all just using it as an adventure trope, or do you think any of the makers were using it in is a like deeper symbolic thing of like slowly being sucked away from life and yes. being trapped and all I that? Do, because when I before I came over here this morning, I was looking up some things and. Something I was not aware of, but when I found, doesn't surprise me one bit, is there's a whole subculture of quicksand fetish films. Really? There's a, there's a Vice special on YouTube about this. And then there's a guy, I don't remember his name, but he has a production company called Mud Puddle Videos, I think. And it's women, naked women mostly, getting sucked into quicksand. And he describes it as like the penetration, then the moaning, and then the final sinking is the climax. And it's, wow. <laughs> it's a whole a whole market. And he, I think he's living as he makes quicksand videos. But I have to say, they show some of it on Vice. His technology is pretty good. His quicksand is pretty good. There's another guy that's all about mud. I don't like the mud quicksand. Yeah, thing. No. mud's just tacky. No, I know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, scatological quicksand films. Yeah. Uh, the, but that's good quicksand work. And so he'll recreate certain things like quicksand. They use quicksand in Gilligan's Island, but Skipper's in it. And he does it with Marianne and Ginger, of course. And yeah. The, but then they showed one of like a girl in a cage, a naked girl in a cage sinking into quicksand. Yeah. And it get, yeah, it's starting to get real dark. Yeah. Did you, as a kid, have any sort of deeper emotional reaction to that sensation of being sucked away? Um, 
I don't know. It wasn't a sexual thing as far as I'm aware because it was before that in my <laughs> yeah, life. I didn't mean that when I yeah. said being sucked away, but, but, uh, but yes. I, I guess, I guess, yeah, that like there is something, I think that's why it resonates in films a lot is that you, someone knows they're dying and they can't do anything but watch them like live the experience of their death. So that's one thing when you're like shot in the gut and you're passing away and say, you know, like, uh, I'm so cold mama or whatever. I'll yeah. like, give that speech. But how weird it is to die knowing you're not currently being hurt, but you're about to be sucked down. Like yeah. that's a strange way to die. Yeah. And I guess I found that interesting in terms of drama or something. Yeah. Plus you can play it. And then there are different permutations of it. Like the trash compactor scene in star Wars is, uh, feels a bit like quicksand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think they had to get, they had to get different with it to make it work. But I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know why I'm obsessed with that. And squibs, I think it's also a technological thing. I was so interested in how movies were made that just the scene craft of it was yeah. so fascinating to me that you could do that, you know, like you could explode little explosions on people and that's fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not fine in some accidents <laughs> cases, but, but for the most part, yeah. For, for squibs, were you interested in what they were representing, like the horror of it, or was it more just the technical accomplishment? I of guess it? both. Yeah. Um, just the drama. I was so into action movies when I was a kid and playing guns and war and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and just, squibs were everywhere. Yeah. Like, they were everywhere. Now it's all digital for the most part. So it's, I don't know. It, it seems like a technology that came around, I guess probably in the sixties and then lasted through the early two thousands that in the sixties, it seemed like that's ahead of its time. That yeah. doesn't, it? it doesn't seem like, cause there, you, you, there's suddenly it's, well, it's like John Wayne, just hold your chest. There's yeah. no blood. And then overnight, I think, you know, with whatever film it was, but then like popularized in Bonnie and Clyde and the Godfather and stuff. And suddenly you couldn't do it in a movie yeah. without it, you know, in the eighties, like many things in the eighties remind me of like, an uncle trying to impress a kid by doing something really gross. Yeah, because they and have, nasty. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they have the resources like that too. To yeah. yeah, like yeah. they kind of know what kids like, but don't quite get that. Like that's maybe not what kids. Yeah. Uh, and it feels like so many things in the 80s, like Robocop jumps to my oh, mind of just like, one of the you want to see something cool? Yeah. Squibs. Yeah. I've been trying to get the guy that's shot by Ed 209 for I Was There Too, <laughs> solely to talk about the process of being squibbed so much. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I don't think I can get James Caan from The Godfather, but he and this guy are really, in cinema history, the two that just get riddled with bullets. Right, the yeah. two most squibbed people. And yeah. it has to be all practical. It's not like... It is, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've seen behind-the-scenes pictures of James Caan after he was squibbed in The Godfather, and he has just wires and wires coming out of his pant legs all going to a car battery setup. And wow. then, so his was like a combination of electronic exploding squibs. And then they did a thing where they put blood on his forehead, covered it up with like makeup. And then underneath that makeup was like a little metal disc with a fishing line on it that would extend off camera. And they did a bunch of those. And then when they said action, they would pull those and it would put a hole in the makeup and there would be blood underneath. Wow. So there's close up pictures of him with all these monofilament lines coming off his face. And it looks like some kind of weird sci-fi thing. Yeah. And I guess when the, um, special effects guy, someone asked him like, or maybe it was James Conn. This is a famous story. I don't even know if it's true, but it's like <laughs> urban legends. So yeah. Like 
is it safe to have all this electricity? And he's like, I don't know. I've never done this much before. And we'll find out. <laughs> I imagine it makes it easier to pretend to be shot multiple times when there are like little mini explosions all over your body yeah. and fishing line being pulled off yeah. your head. You're out of control completely. <laughs> uh, so uh, getting back to, to quicksand, uh, another Wikipedia quote that I really liked is that in the 1960s, 3% of all films included quicksand. That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's really yeah. kind of a shocking number when you yeah. think of all of the films. It is from Wikipedia, so who knows? But are there any films from the 60s that you think should have had quicksand that did not, Boy. but should have had? Does Does the Magnificent Seven have quicksand? I don't know, it seems but it like seems it like it should, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or like, it's been so long since I've seen The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I can't remember if that does either. I don't want to say, like, I just should assume it does, but maybe it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like at the time they would put it in everything. Great Escape is one of my favorite movies, and I probably wouldn't have been sur surprised if they escaped from a Nazi prisoner of war camp and then step right into quicksand. <laughs> they some, don't. But, some yeah. that German quicksand? Yeah. <laughs> As a kid, if I was watching that and that happened, I wouldn't have batted an eye. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, did you really... I mean, you said you went looking for it. Did you really think that geographically... It has to be very, very common. Yeah, there was no internet, and my only source was what I had seen on TV, and I thought, I bet it's Swamplands, but I've seen these movies where it's in the desert, and the forest, and the jungle, it's everywhere, so let's go find it. Yeah. Yeah. So you would not have been surprised to see it in Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> awesome. It was more... I was more wanting it and willing it to happen than thinking it would happen. I, yeah. was, I was caught in a fantasy. You know? yeah. yeah, sort of like the sort of uh, Star Wars of trying to pick something up with the Force. Yes. Like that level of sort yeah. of like, if I That's believe, right. I will find quicksand. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> awesome. Uh, do you, would you like to see quicksand make a comeback in modern entertainment? Absolutely. I think it's time. I feel like maybe Quentin Tarantino is the man to do it because oh, it would yeah. have a little bit of a retro vibe, but he could make it cool again. I think there is something to the fact that people are wise to that, that even if they don't know the science that it couldn't work, they still would feel like, oh, this is cheesy. But I don't know. Like, if you think of like a Fast and the Furious movie, if it was in there, it probably would fit right in. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if they had to jump a car through quicksand yeah. somehow. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I would love to see it. Yeah. Maybe it is time to build my own pit. But then I get into that fetish world. No, no. Oh, <laughs> you feel like if you started like go around Los Angeles and tell people like you know I have a quicksand pit in my backyard. That... Tell, I don't want to put it online, but tell your friends. <laughs> uh, do you think the fetish is just about? Uh, I, I never thought of quicksand. I, I you know I've I been accidentally either. using the word sucking a lot yeah. on this podcast, and I did not intend that at all as a sexual thing. I never thought of it. I always right. think of quicksand as more about that like. A sort of like animated gif version of the horror of death of like uh, we know it's coming and yeah. it's coming soon and there's nothing that we can do except yeah. you know how do we handle it and we say goodbye and all those things but I never thought of it as a sexual I thing. I didn't either. I think the thing I like about it is it's it on the surface looks safe literally on the surface yeah. like <laughs> if you're walking through all this brush and then there's a nice flat patch Ah, oh, I will definitely walk there, and then that's the trap. Down. There's like an irony, an inherent irony in it. But they, in this Vice special, they talk about the famous quicksand scene with Tarzan and Vera Miles, Jane, and she's stuck in it, and he pulls her out, and you know he's all muscly, and then lies her down in the grass, and she's all moaning. And that they're they're saying like it's unquestionably a sexual metaphor, almost intent, like saying that the film intended that. I don't know about that. 
but they really hold that up as the prime example of okay. why it's a sexual thing. I can see the that being a sexy scene of like two half naked people, yeah. you know, covered in fluid, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but to me, it just seems like a bit of a confusing metaphor to I map agree. up. Like, isn't sexual metaphor like a train going into a tunnel, yeah. not a woman coming out yeah. of something? And if you, yeah, and if you're if that's what you're going for, there's better ways to do it. I yeah, think. yeah. <laughs> uh, would you like to see quicksand in the new Star Wars movie? Yes. Yes, I'd like to see it in every movie. <laughs> I would like to see a whole quicksand planet in Star Wars. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I would like to see a whole quicksand movie. I think there is a movie called Quicksand from the 50s or 60s, <laughs> but, but now, like, yeah, I would love it. Oh. Even looking at your carpet, you have like a sand-colored carpet. Yeah. It's really easy to imagine it ripple, and as a kid, that's we had sand-colored carpet, and I would just play quicksand because... You know, it was rip Oh, and we had this couch that was a sleeper sofa. And um, if you pulled the sofa out, which I would always do if I stayed home from school, there was like a little space, maybe six inches to a foot from the the head of the bed to the back of the oh, sofa. And nice. you could crawl into where the sleeper sofa would normally be folded up into. And so I would put the cushions in there and they were like beige colored and I would slink between them and sink into it just over and over again. <laughs> what would you, uh, what would you talk about or would you act out? Yeah. I mean, it, it was probably different every given day. I was probably Indiana Jones to Batman to Han Solo to just a cowboy to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that mattered a little less than it just has to sink. Uh, I love that you would go from Batman to Indiana Jones to, oh, I'm a generic know. cowboy of some kind. <laughs> Yeah. Did you have siblings or friends who, who would go through the ritual with you? I I had an older sister who couldn't be less interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> but I had two two friends, two girlfriends next door, Kelly and Christy. And Kelly was game for it. And okay. She was kind of my best friend growing up. And um, so we would try to make things together and she she was a little younger so she would kind of follow my lead god bless her i mean what a waste <laughs> of time for her but um she and i and another guy next door named jeff i would put on these stunt shows for the neighborhood and and like try to make quicksand pits and little explosions and stuff like that and do semi-high falls and stuff so i was always interested <laughs> in like the the um I guess another obsession of mine was theme park stunt shows because they were oh, yeah. so artificial, but still like the choreography and the timing of all the effects live was something that just thrilled me. Yeah, I suppose it, it made you think about how did they do that yeah. in, in real world yeah. without any cameras or anything. Yeah, and you yeah. can see how they do it. That's the thing I love. Like you can figure it out pretty easily, but the myth didn't like breaking the magic didn't bother me. It made me more excited. Yeah. 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 Cause you wanted to figure it out. Did you ever in your stunt shows, did you ever uh, disappear into quicksand while also being shot so you could get scripts going? <laughs> I did feel, fill a waiting pool with sand as a quicksand pit, but like, I think it was either me or someone had to sink in it and they had to actively like push their feet in and lie on the side and then scoop it over them with their own hands, but while acting like, oh no, I'm sinking by my own demise. While the audience sits there, it probably took five minutes. The very patient mothers that came to watch it, you know. Yeah, and I suppose utterly mystified about why do they love this symbol of death? <laughs> this kid, he's creative, but I worry about him. I mean, I can even look back now and see the looks in their eyes. Like, I interpreted their looks as like, wow, 
they're amazed, but I think they're like, wow, what a strange kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how much that persists. I was talking to my mother the other day and she said, I saw your movie is doing really well. I was like, yeah. I haven't, I'd like to make it, I haven't yeah. made a movie, what mom. And she's like, no, your weird little movie you like is doing really well. What? And I said, do you mean the Avengers? And she said, yeah. Your little movie? Yeah, like, you realize that implicit in your statement is, it's doing really well. So it's not my weird little movie anymore, <laughs> like it might have been, you know. It's actually <laughs> the number hilarious. one movie in the world. Oh, but I, I think it's funny how that sort of, that uh, a certain generation of parents' views towards, like, I don't know why you like that, but yeah. it seems to make you really happy. Go ahead, that's your weird little thing. Yeah. How, like, now our weird little things are, you know. The, the, the main industry yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. That is weird. I, I Culture raised, like, they raised all these monsters, us, <laughs> that we, we all do this because we were given it as children. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That is funny. I know my dad was great. I love him. He's great. But he was very much a businessman and, and didn't understand these pursuits. He supported them and watched them and was encouraging, but... It was always from a like <laughs> objective distance. Okay, and now he's very interested in it because it's a livelihood, not just a pursuit. Right. You know? And so, I see this creative side in him come out where I think like I think he and I are the same guy. He was just raised in a totally different generation with different influences. Right. And so both of us are products or victims of our time. You know, <laughs> and his was a lot more sober than mine. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think of making your interest in like quicksand and squibs and practical effects an actual career? I think so, um, but I didn't for some reason. Um, I think I had too many interests and just when I would get really good at something or good enough, I would switch to something else. So yeah, yeah. but I didn't know, I don't think I knew how to do that. I didn't know that I would go, I, I felt like without even thinking about it, I had to go to regular college for some reason. I never thought I could go to special effects trade school. Like, okay. It just wasn't something that crossed my mind. Yeah. I probably, I bet my parents wouldn't have had a problem with it necessarily, but it just never occurred to me. I just thought it was a hobby. Yeah. Yeah. But if you had said to your parents, like, no, my destiny is to make quicksand. They, yeah, if I would have pushed hard enough for it, they would have helped me do it. I oh, that's think. awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's but, awesome. Yeah. They were very good about that stuff. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about sort of the character of quicksand. Like it's always <laughs> yeah, just a, a thing. Question. It's a trap. Yeah. Um, but, uh, did you ever think about or want to see quicksand as sentient as like something that knew it was getting a cowboy or Batman? I guess I don't because I think that may, I, you may have hit on why I, I like it so much or, or at least fear and respect it is that <laughs> it is brainless. And I have the same fascination with jellyfish that they don't have brains, but but they only exist as like killing machines. They're just yeah. tentacles that sting and they don't even know or enjoy <laughs> it. Like they don't get anything out of it. Yeah. They they're not trying to hurt you, but they exist as weapons really, you know? Yeah. They don't know that. But, and then that brings me to like of a childhood fear of Michael Myers and Jason from Friday the 13th. They're soulless, brainless killers. It's almost like Michael Myers isn't malicious. He's just, that's what he is. Yeah. Know? It's like, I was waving my axe around and you yeah. got in the way. Yeah. yeah. And so you can't fight or reason with it. And that to me is more scary than a sentient being that you could theoretically talk to about it. Yeah. yeah. So you can't talk quicksand out of sucking you down. <laughs> it just does what it does. You know? Cool. <laughs> if, if quicksand had a voice, what do you think it would sound like? 
I like that quicksand sounds like the the sheriff from the early Roger Moore movies. The, oh. <laughs> the J.W. Pepper is that his name? Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> What's going on here? Are you some kind of what does he say? Uh, the doomsday machine. Yeah, right? doomsday machine boy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, if you could travel back in time and put any historical figure in quicksand. Who would you want to put in quicksand? Well, I don't know how I would say anything other than Adolf Hitler. Um, gosh. Because, see, I know there were, like, bad Roman rulers and stuff, but the, the, the Hitler's contemporary enough that you feel like it's only a generation or two away that he was really harming people, so that yeah. would be really satisfying. <laughs> Boy, there's a match made in heaven. Hitler in quicksand. Because <laughs> then... You can, while he's going down, you can go, here's why we're doing this. And he has to take those thoughts with him as he's slowly suffocating. Yeah. Wow. In, in Nazi quicksand. Maybe something that, <laughs> like, Mengele engineered. Oh, like artificial quicksand. Yeah, that they put around the borders of their camp so no one could escape. And he, he has to. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's very satisfying. Is there any historical, uh, uh, not historical, is there any fiction character that you've always wanted to see in Quicksand? Like, who would have a great oh, dying moment or a great monologue? I really wanted Indiana Jones to get stuck in Quicksand, and then it happens kind of in Crystal Skull, and it's so unsatisfying. Yeah. It's like just up to his knees, and then, like, lowering on an elevator very clearly, you know, yeah. or something. That, yeah, that was a... I, I still would love to see that. Yeah. How, and does he just, like, whip a branch and pull himself out or something? Yeah, they're, it, they throw a snake at him, and he gets pulled up by a snake, I think. Okay. That's like, and then, yeah, it's just so... See, that campy. sounds like it should be exciting. I know. It sh sounds like it should be very 80s. Like, the only way you can get out of this quicksand is pulling on a snake. Oh, oh, I just remembered the... Oh, wait. So, there were... There was an, a Wild West stunt show at Universal Studios, and there were two incarnations of it. And I think it was the first one where it was just three guys in it, had a quicksand pit in it. And it was in the corner. It was very near the audience. And it was like um, a thick rubber with cross-section cuts in it so you could jump through it. But mm -hmm. that was covered with, like, dry pinto beans. <laughs> so you kind of had that feeling. And to watch that live, even though it wasn't wet, yeah. oh, man, it was so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> did the actors do monologues as they went down? Yeah, yeah, they did. And it was a slow. And they were clearly standing on a lowering platform, too. Like, they wouldn't even put their hands above it like they were waiting. They were just okay. shoulders down at their sides <laughs> and just sinking down. And so it was a comic bit, but, man, it was so corny, and I just ate it up. And so it was intended to be Comic. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and did they just scream about their lives and their regrets? I think it it was oh it was the same joke every time because I've seen this joke when someone was like drowning in a well too where there's a bad guy standing above them with a coiled up rope and uh, he goes please please and goes how much you got and so the guy as he's singing gives him money 
and the guy takes the money and throws him the coiled up rope, but doesn't hold one in. So he just goes down holding a coiled up rope. <laughs> they use that joke over and over. Nice, nice. Uh, am I remembering correctly the trope of don't struggle, you'll make it worse? I believe that's true, right? Yeah. Because that, that's science, because if you move your feet, the whole process is that there's usually like a well in the sand pit. And it's the bubbling that once it bubbles up, creates a vacuum. So if you move, you create more of a vacuum that suck. You fill the void as okay. you go down. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like the don't struggle aspect uh, when when you played quicksand? Did you would you I use that so. trope in your yeah, play? Yeah, but I don't think I understood why at the time. I, it, but yeah, you would hear that a lot, and I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. I well, I think I felt lectured a lot in life just because of my personality. But I remember being annoyed by that because it just felt really lectury, like yeah. another thing I was supposed to remember to do correctly. And also, I'm about to die. You're going to lecture me right now? Come on. You're not trying to help. You're, You're just not, being pedantic. <laughs> You're not dying, right? Uh, if there was a big pile of quicksand right outside your front door, not one that you had manufactured, but actual quicksand that you had to sort of walk around every day to get to your car and out to the world... Uh, how do you think that would affect your day-to-day -day life and your psychology? I think I know would would be no time for me to go. I'm going in, like, <laughs> just tie a rope around my waist just in case. But I would that would be the first thing I would do. Absolutely, go in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think even now, if there was a, someone could take me to a real quicksand pit, I would go in. I would put a rope on, but I, I don't think it's a danger in the first place. Yeah. But, but I also, maybe I shouldn't because it would probably not be satisfying because it wouldn't be anything like the movie quicksand. What I need is one of those movie quicksand pits, <laughs> which gets back to me. I should just yeah. make one. Yeah. I mean, this is just like, yeah, you need to build a big dunk tank yeah. of quicksand. I need to get out all my old squib equipment, rack myself up with a bunch of squibs, <laughs> get shot, and then fall into a quicksand pit in a stormtrooper costume. Those I, are my oh, three things. Wow. Yeah. I can't imagine anything more 80s than being <laughs> squibbed in a stormtrooper costume into quicksand. Isn't there some kind of like make a wish but for people who aren't dying that I can <laughs> fulfill this through? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Kind of make a wish light. Yeah. 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 Uh, would you do the Wilhelm scream as you fell in? I would have to. You would guess, have to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about bottomless pits? Because they oh, seem to be yeah. a trope not as common as quicksand, but in that sort of similar, like, mm. as a I kid, I remember wondering if those were yeah. real. I, I like them if there's a platform above them where people are fighting. I like it as a, <laughs> as a danger, but not in itself does it excite me. There's that Flash Gordon scene where they're fighting on a, like a, like a, um, gimbling disc that has spikes on it and over a pit. And yeah. I think I really loved that. I loved the Death Star fight inside when stormtroopers are falling into that chasm. Yeah. I love a good chasm. <laughs> <laughs> and when I would play Star Wars action figures, I would always play on a TV tray so that they could fall off the side. You know? Yeah. I just, yeah. Falling, pits, sinking. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> love Anything it. that just generally takes one downward. Yeah. Uh, and you, you prefer quicksand to a bottomless pit though i do yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. did you ever think about because uh, i think i was confused as a child that the quicksand was actually sucking you to a different place 
that it wouldn't just be the suffocation that maybe you would come out somewhere else. No, but I always think I thought, like, how do you just continue sinking? Where where does it go? Yeah. Or, or do you just go below the surface and there's a bunch of skeletons down there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just, uh, like, see this wonderful world that you could report on. Yeah. Well, I think there was a movie where you sink and then you end up somewhere. Oh, this isn't it, but that's why I loved Return of the Jedi too, and maybe my favorite Star Wars movie solely because of the Sarlacc. That's how like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That idea of this sort of monstrous thing in the sand that goes down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That was the best of both worlds, right there. Yeah, yeah. I think that is the world's best sort of version of the high place to fall into a thing because yeah. you have all the drama. Yeah. Of being on the dunes, you're uh -huh. kind of close, but now you're in the thing. Plus stunt high falls into what's clearly like a foam mouth. So there was an element of you can see behind the scenes. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And then even the, the sort of fantasy of what's you're in it, yeah. you're not immediately dead. Right. So it's so much. really existential dread fun times yeah, when yeah, you just get to time. sit in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I always thought uh, I got fascinated as a kid with the uh, you'll be slowly digested over a thousand years. Right. It's like. Well, maybe that would be a good trade-off because I, I don't get to live a thousand years. Like, yeah. if I could bring some books, right. maybe it would be worthwhile. Or go and write as you're dying naturally and get another <laughs> 500 years or however that works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, is there anything in your life that you feel like is emotional quicksand where, like, you feel like if you step into this idea, you're going to have to go through all of the quicksand ritual of, like, don't struggle, get a rope, pull myself out? Oh, boy, Yeah. There has to be. Let me see. I mean, I think there's probably overarching things like that, but lately, uh, what's tough for me is is drama when um, having people in your life that sort of bring drama into the fold unnecessarily yeah. as a sort of, um, like, without sounding callous, like a sort of that's how they get their attention. Right. And I, I guess without consciously trying it, I feel like I've been able to have a life and a friend group and relationship that doesn't necessarily, I probably gravitate towards people that don't do that. And yeah. so inevitably there are people that you like and love, but that also come with that baggage. And that to me is quicksand because it's not even so much what they're doing. It's something that I'm sensitive to. So I take that home with me and sink into anxiety and yeah. yeah and it becomes, I'm probably the one bringing the drama. <laughs> I'm certainly multiplying it yeah. know, in my own psyche or something. No, that, make, that makes perfect sense to me because I think it is a sort of like you are going along at your pace, if it, even if it's a rocky road or whatever on your adventure, and then you step into somebody else's problem. Yes. Yeah. And it yeah. begins to suck. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm going to ask my uh, how obsessed are you questions. Please. Uh, do you think about quicksand every day? No, I, I should, and I wish I did. And maybe I will set an iCal reminder. <laughs> Think about quicksand. Uh, would you watch a movie just called Quicksand? Exclamation point. Yes. Uh, no matter who made it. Yeah. Like I would be thrilled, as you were saying earlier, by a Quentin Tarantino movie called Quicksand. Yeah. And I think there is a movie called Quicksand, so I, I would probably watch it. I don't know that I'd get all the way through, but I would sit down and give it everything I got. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, would you get a tattoo that said Quicksand? Uh, no. <laughs> but I don't know that I'd get a tattoo anyway, so it's not Quicksand's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, would you read slash fiction about Quicksand and a bottomless pit? I'd give it a go. Sure. <laughs> I don't 
I don't think I've read slash fiction, so I feel like I'd be getting two for the price of one. It'd be a new experience <laughs> for me, so sure. When you uh, when you read about the fetish, did you watch any of the videos, or did you just no? Because it, and not to say that I wouldn't, but I uh, was heading over here, so I didn't have time. I just okay. had time to watch the special, and <laughs> so they showed excerpts of it. Okay, it it doesn't look tantalizing. <laughs> I think partially because, as you can imagine, that's such a niche market that the production values aren't very good. Yeah. And there's a strange element to the people involved on all fronts, you know, behind the scenes and on camera. That yeah. For me to find something, like, effective in a fetish way, it, it has to have a mountain of quality, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I have to suspend my disbelief because there's usually like a fictional or like at least an aesthetic element that goes along with it. Yeah. So the aesthetics have to be there, I guess. Otherwise, yeah. why not just watch the regular stuff? Right. Know? Yeah. You can't just be some jerk in his backyard with poor quality yeah. quicksand. It takes me out of it more than anything. I think it's the same thing with going to like having gone to a strip bar before it's it's just an odd experience, so it's more curious than it is anything else. Yeah. It's strange, and I can't help get out of my brain, like, analyzing, is everybody okay? <laughs> or, or, this is odd, right? We must all acknowledge this is strange, yeah. and certain people don't, and so the disconnect does not allow me to immerse myself in <laughs> I, I am totally understand that. Uh, um, would you swear at a nun over a disagreement about quicksand? Would I swear at a nun? Yes. Like, we were arguing about quicksand, and she's heated. I'm heated. Yes. And she says, quicksand is just stupid. It's immature. There's no reason for you to be interested in it. Stop talking about quicksand. I'm trying to... I think if I would swear at a nun, if it got to that, yeah, I guess... It would just, and regardless of this, I'm trying to take this question as seriously as possible. <laughs> regardless of the subject, if it got that bad, I would just as soon swear at her over quicksand than anything else, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I yeah. don't know that I would. Um, but, it, I mean, if she's really saying what you just said, like, then she's the one yeah. really with the issue, right? Because yeah. there's nothing inherently evil about quicksand. No, it's great. Yeah, fuck her. <laughs> fuck that up. Uh, would you cosplay is quicksand at San Diego Comic-Con? No. <laughs> and that goes for everything. Yeah, you, you just yeah. don't do cosplay? No, but I have a, uh, I, oh God, I can't admit this. I'll tell you after, but I bought okay. something <laughs> as a childhood bucket list fulfillment that will A, probably never see the light of day and B, will probably never go on my body. But, but you have it. Yeah, it's something franchise-related. Excellent. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so eager to hear that. Uh, if the only way you could watch a movie with quicksand is if someone first punched you in the groin, would you still watch movies about quicksand? <laughs> like, I would never get to see another movie about quicksand unless somebody punched me in the groin? Yeah, I mean, it could be like a monthly su subscription thing where it's, you get punched at the first of the month and then you can no, watch as many. No, I don't think so. I, if they were, you know, I'll tell you what, if they were making quality quicksand films, I would do it. But right now, no, until they start putting the content out there, yeah. I'm not getting hit in the nuts. Until it's the Fast and the Furious and the quicksand. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll make me finally see a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I asked everybody to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Is there a noise that you can make to sum up your obsession with quicksand? Hmm. Well.
It's disgusting. <laughs> it was great. That was really, like, it should be disgusting. But yeah. I was not at all disgusted because I was distracted by the artistry. <laughs> Much like your uh, your love of quicksand in the movies, like you appreciate that was well done, that was well made quicksand. Uh, so here are our final wrap up questions. If you could have a cool middle name like Danger and people actually called you that, what would it be? I sort of have it. Really? Well, from my own doing. My real middle <laughs> name is James, but that's uh, a pretty cool name. For some reason, when I was in high school, I was ironically obsessed with being called Duke. <laughs> Probably have from G.I. Joe, but just what a strange name that there are really some people named Duke. Like, yeah. it's a title. It's so, uh, I don't know, like, it's so high and mighty that it's a total joke. But I wanted my friends to call me Duke as a joke. And it stuck a little bit. And so, t of my own doing, I put it on my driver's license. And so, my driver's license says Matthew James Duke Gorley as a joke yeah. in high school. And then every time I've gone to renew my license, I say, can I take that off, please? And they say, it's like, I have to pay money to do it. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm just like, ah, I'm not, I guess I'm not going to do it. Like, <laughs> it seems like a waste of money, but I don't even know if it's that much money anymore. And I, I should look into it again. But then I found out as my, when my grandfather passed away that his nickname was Duke. Oh, and in reality. Yeah, people called him Duke. And so since then, I've kept it as a like tribute to him. I don't tell anybody and I yeah. don't use it in any way other than on legal documents where I have to have my name verified by my license. It's <laughs> so it's cascaded now where you have to use it in other legal places, That's right? right? Yeah. yeah. That's great. Did, does anybody ever call you Duke? Do friends no, know about this? I don't this? know any of the people that used to do it anymore. So nobody calls me Duke anymore. That's, to maybe, maybe we can do it again. I yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I can list the podcasts <laughs> with Duke Gorley. <laughs> and someone bought me a sweatshirt from the University Duke, and so I had that sweatshirt in high school that said Duke on it. But it oh. was very puffy. I feel like it was like a sorority girl sweatshirt or something, <laughs> like this, but I still wore it with pride. So that undercut Duke a little bit, yeah. the coolness of Duke. Yeah. But that's really cool to start with a, just a high school smartass yeah. uh, name that then, like, oh, I accidentally honored my grandfather know, by I being know. a smartass. I know, and I adored my grandfather, so it was very, it was very nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, if you could put an image of your face on anything and then have it mass produced at no cost to you, oh, what would you want your face to be all over? Really good question. Jeez. Oh my God. How much time do I have? <laughs> I, I've got some ideas, but I feel like I'm missing out. Well, take your time. Um, I mean, my first reaction is an action figure. Oh yeah. But maybe... Either a, like a classic 80s three and a quarter inch G.I. Joe or the original Star Wars one. That would be something really special for me. <laughs> um, I guess that would be it. I can't think of anything better than that. Yeah. If there was an action figure of you, would you want to be like Matt Gourley Jedi or would you want to be yourself with like uh, whatever accessories I, you'd I come with? I my first thought is it would be the original Han Solo like just to, that was my favorite figure I mean I have no business doing that but that, if we're going for it that would be yeah. fun I guess yeah oh, that would be awesome yeah. yeah the Han Solo with Matt Gorley head variation yeah. and then you know or Flint from G.I. Joe because I always gravitated toward Flint from G.I. Joe and Green Lantern as a superhero because they were like the only brown haired superheroes everybody was oh, blonde yeah. or black haired and we just didn't get many brown 
haired, brown eyed guys, you know, like it's just because I have like the most average sort of boring makeup and they, <laughs> they just don't gravitate towards those as action yeah. figures and superheroes. Yeah. yeah. I can totally see you playing Hell Jordan. <laughs> well, now you're doing me. <laughs> he may not even have brown eyes. I just like that he had brown hair. Yeah. I would take what I could get. That's awesome. Uh, the last question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? That's pretty easy and simple for me. Um, a rainy day with no obligations that day and the next day. So I don't have that foreboding Sunday night feeling. <laughs> yes. Um, a really good movie, my girlfriend and my cat and just no distractions, like pure, simple peace in a comfortable home. Um, I'm never happy. And I think something like that can happen a few times a year. You yeah. Know, oh, we'll definitely have times where we watch TV throughout the year, but there's, it takes that like perfect confluence of events where it's raining and I'm not busy and it's, it's just stress-free. And that to me is the best thing in the world. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, That's our Joseph. podcast. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.